Welcome to the Business Owner Transition Podcast. In this podcast, we talk with business owners, exit advisors, and a host of others to help you not just exit your business, but execute an elite exit by maximizing transaction value on your terms and without regret. Let's get right to it. Hi, it's Mike again with the Business Owner Transition, and today I've got a great guest, Jonathan Gravis, a good friend of mine who is a career sales expert. And one of the major things that I see when I talk with our new students at the Business Owner Transition Academy is in response to the questionnaire, the initial assessment that we put out for them, always they say that they have sales teams that are not operating at optimal performance. Jonathan is a contributor and coach at EliteExit.com. Jonathan, thanks for coming in and welcome to the show. Absolutely. This is my favorite subject, so glad I'm able to be here and share some uh, insights. Well, good. What we want to do today, Jonathan, is talk about a bunch of different areas. And the, the idea here is to talk not necessarily about the technique around sales, which we can do at another time, but let's talk about hiring, training, motivation and compensation, process, what happened during COVID and how that affect high-performing sales teams. Talk a little bit about metrics, leading and lagging. We'll talk about CRM to support the ability for you to manage your team and for the teams to perform well. And then the ongoing care and feeding of these teams. So let's talk a little bit about putting together a highly functioning sales team. And what we see often with smaller businesses is that they start their business, they build their widgets, they sell their services, and they're really good at doing those things. And then they expand, they get a little bigger, they need to bring on business development people and salespeople, and all of a sudden, how do you hire them? That's not what they do for a living. And they may hire one or two salespeople and not have a very good experience with it or tolerate an underperforming environment in terms of sales. So let's talk a little bit about just the beginning, the blocking and tackling of building a, a high-performing sales team. And where do you start? The average business owner is an expert in what their business is. They're not necessarily a salesperson or somebody that manages sales. So I, I think the start of that is that you've got to find a good sales leader to lead and develop that team. So you need somebody that's got experience that understands how to manage and motivate people. You have to start with looking at the sales team and, and understanding what you have and setting a vision for what you're trying to accomplish. Who, who do you want to have on the team? What are the skills and experience? Do you have a bunch of college graduates, recent college graduates? Do you have really tenured sales staff? What do you want that mix to look like? Correspondingly, 50% of the workforce is female. So what does your sales team look like? Do you have ag adequate representation there? We're in the number two African-American market in the United States here in Atlanta. What percentage of your sales staff is African-American? Those are all things that you have to consider when you're talking about building a sales team. So understand who's on your team now and the vision for what you want that to look like. So you, once you've completed that, then you've got to move into who do I need to hire? So what are the traits that I look for? I want somebody that's resilient. I want somebody that understands that there's highs and lows in the sales side of the business and is able to look themselves in the mirror every morning and say, okay, these are the three to five things that I've got to get done day in and day out. Do I have the resilience to do that when I'm hearing no 95% of the time? So resilience is big. 
Yeah, and that can be tough for some young folks that are entering sales. Absolutely. Often somebody will come in and interview with me and, hey, why do you want to be in sales? And the response is, everybody tells me I've got a sales personality. They said, oh, so, so you're resilient. And they look at me funny. And then I backtrack and I talk through. It's more than just being able to talk and relate to people. It's having that burning curiosity. Are you going to continue to try to uncover layers of opportunity or are you going to move on to another prospect too soon? You, know, you got to be resilient. You got to be persistent. You got a burning curiosity. Yeah. And so that does get a little bit into sales technique, right? And that is the selling through understanding, making sure that you get down to that second, third, fourth level of questioning so that the buyer really sells themselves. Sure. Yeah. It, it's business owners want to talk about their business. And so when you go in, you've got to build the relationship. It's how you build the relationship. There's lots of different strategies around that, but it, it fundamentally comes down to being able to have a conversation with somebody, build rapport and be able to uncover what their challenges are. And I guess it takes a pretty special person to be able to come in every day, sit down, get in the right mindset, and then make a hundred calls yeah. or write 50 emails or, right. and then get slapped in the face. You evaluate these people, you see if they've got the staying power to do that. Are there certain attributes that you're looking at or prior experience that you're looking at? I know in this area, we're fortunate to have Kennesaw State University where they have a professional sales program there. And yeah, it's one of the top programs in the United States and they do a really good job of teaching the sales process to students to come out. But I touched on it earlier. I think we look for the ability to connect internally and externally, obviously the clients being external, we're looking for burning curiosity, the desire to dive in and, and understand somebody's business and, and the resilience piece. So those are the three basic traits. I think today a college degree is really important. In particular, when you're in an area like we are in with Kennesaw State's professional selling skills program, why wouldn't you take advantage of bringing somebody in that you don't have to teach how to sell? The university's done that for you. So I can take a college graduate from that program and all I need to teach them is the billboard side of the business. I don't have to teach them the sales process. So right. it cuts down that ramp up time. A lot of our business owners don't have a chief sales officer that's as experienced as you are in terms of evaluating new talent as they come in. What might be a question or two that you would encourage a business owner to ask a candidate? How do you... How do you find your leads? What is the lead generation process that you as a salesperson use to uncover businesses to call on? What are the strategies that you use to connect with prospects to be able to do the outreach and get through to the decision maker? Those are two simple ones. Then I like to ask a candidate to define the sales process. And, and I'm always surprised that people will leave off the piece of closing the business. And that's a pretty good sign that, that you want to make, might want to move on to the other candidates. Yeah. So it's not, why is there fuzz on a tennis ball like Amazon asked? Correct. Okay. Correct. Okay. Gotcha. So you ask these questions, you find somebody that you think might be a great fit for your company. And then I think a lot of businesses, maybe they forget this onboarding process, right? Yeah. They hire them and tell them to go out and kill it. So let's talk about onboarding for a minute and how important that is. Yeah. Day one is super important. I have the candidates spend the day with me 
I give them a, a background on the company and I give them a background of the industry. And some of that comes up in the interviewing, but you've got to give them a perspective. We have the new employees sit from a support staff standpoint, we have them sit with marketing to understand what the roles are and, and how they contribute. Then we have them sit with the sale, other salespeople to understand what that day in the life is. And each of our salespeople is different, obviously, but they're all good at something different. So I'll have them sit with one person on prospecting and another on our CRM tool and process. And, and that gives them a holistic view of what the culture looks like. You bring these folks in, you get them started, you go through your onboarding process, and then you have, I'm sure, a very defined sales process that you use. And I think that maybe smaller companies don't necessarily have that. They can. Listen, the sales process isn't different necessarily business to business. It still starts with prospecting and lead development and ends with the post-sale tactics that you have to employ, right? right. So- it's, it's the other stuff that you fill in on uh, around that. So how, how do you keep track of the contact information? How do you keep track of what you've said and to whom you've spoken to? And we use a CRM tool for that. Yeah. Let's talk about that for a moment, the CRM tool, because yeah, some people are just using spreadsheets. They may be approached by the big CRM vendors out yep. there that are trying to sell them these Mac daddy. CRM tools, if, if you had a characteristic or two of a simple CRM tool that a, a small to mid-sized business could use, what would you be looking for? Yeah. To be clear, the big companies will cater to small companies, to large companies. So we use salesforce.com. My brother is in the underwriting business in the insurance side, and he's got nine licenses through salesforce.com. So we've got 300 salespeople. He's got nine. And salesforce.com is a good CRM tool for both size businesses. But when you look for a CRM tool, it doesn't have to be salesforce.com. There are lots of opportunities out there, but you're looking for three things. You're looking for contact management. So who do you need to call on? How do you get in touch with them? When's their birthday? Do they have kids? The things that you're starting to build a relationship around. The second piece that you're looking for is opportunity management or pipeline management. Who are the companies that we're calling on? Where in the sales cycle are they? And the third piece is activity management. So what is a salesperson doing on a day-to-day -day basis or week-to-week -week basis? What do they have coming up? What have they done? So it's a, a look back and a look forward as to what the activity looks like. And for you as a sales manager, you're looking at leading indicators, lagging indicators, some metrics that I'm assuming you're pulling out of your CRM system. We are. Yeah. We call those KPIs or key performance indicators. And you've got to be careful in how you set that up. You don't want to try to measure too much. Is an account executive on their budget, their revenue budget? We set a, a minimum number of meetings per week that we want an account executive to have. How many proposals are they doing in a month? It's metrics like that, that, that come together. And honestly, we engaged our team in this process of developing what we call the path to success in we need their buy-in. So I had a vision for what it looked like, but we engaged our existing sellers to understand what they felt was important. What are the things that our most successful people do on a day in and day out basis? And, and once we qualified those three to four things, then we engaged that team to say, okay, so what's, what does success look like in each of those buckets? 
And so when we came out of it, we had this path to success that they essentially created. And so we've got buy-in on the front end. I've heard you say that the path to success has three different major elements to it. It's got vision, engagement, and then I see that, or that I've heard you say something about paving the path. Yeah. Talk a little bit more about that. Yeah. So when you talk about the vision, and, and I gave you a snapshot here a second ago, but you've got to define what you want that success to be looking like for your team. What, how do you want the team to move through the process? What are the things that you think are important for the sales team to accomplish? So once you have that vision, then you have, you move to the engagement phase, which really is engaging the team in the process of understanding what's important and defining those things and what success looks like at that point, you really have paved the path. It's you, you take all of that, you aggregate the information and then you share that back with the team. And you've got buy-in because they've been a part of the process at each step. We took it a step further and we gamified it. We turned it into a monthly MVP program. So it bleeds from what the path to success looks like or the, the key performance indicators to a rewards program. So we assign points for the different levels for each KPI. And then we have a, a monthly MVP that we're able to award to the account executive that performs at the highest level across all those KPIs. That gets into the care and feeding of your sales yeah. staff. When I talk to business owners who don't have a robust infrastructure around sales, I ask them questions about how do you care for your sales staff? Because salespeople require a lot of stroking. It's not just go out there and get slapped around the head and shoulders as you're trying to develop business. It takes leadership. And so talk a little bit about leadership, about sales leadership and taking care of those people and developing them so that they can be the best at what they do. I think the first almost 20 years ago was that not everybody is going to be like me or do it like me. So understanding that each account executive or each salesperson is going to be different and they're going to bring different things to the table is step one. There's an old adage, praise in public, coach in private. I really take that to heart. Folks do need to feel good about what they're doing. And you don't want to call somebody out in front of the team. You can do that in private. We have a weekly sales meeting. We cover everything from performance to budget to stories that are success. And so our sales meeting revolves around engaging the sellers in storytelling, having them tell their stories about where they've had successes or where they've had challenges, and then get the team to have that discussion. Then it's not me standing at the front, standing on a soapbox preaching. You're getting the team involved in their business and it's their meeting. I think the other piece to this is I have a weekly one-on-one, -on -one, it's 30 minutes with each of our sellers. and. We talk about what's in your pipeline, what does your activity look like, how, what's your performance to budget, and those meetings can be short or they can be long. It depends on what each needs, and it starts with if you're on budget. If you're on budget, I'm less likely to dive into the activity piece to it or the teamwork piece to it, but if you're not on your budget, what's your plan? What does your plan look like? Do you have enough opportunities working? to be able to hit your goals uh, when you come to the end of the quarter. And if you don't have a plan, then we're going to work really closely together 
to develop that plan and to execute on the plan because I'll have some pretty specific ideas on how to handle that. You are working with that seller to keep them on track, yeah, but also to develop their skill set over time. So you are being very proactive as a leader. Mm -hmm. And I think that what I often see is companies that report to me that they have sales teams that are not highly functioning, but there's no leadership in the sales yeah. team. So when was the last time that business owner went on a sales call with their sales reps? Yeah. It's, I think that's really important. The meetings that I go on can't just be thank you for your business because I'm the sales manager. I have to see our account executives in action at every stage of the sales process. And that isn't to micromanage them. There's a tangible benefit to a sales rep to have me along in that four ears are better than two. I might hear something differently than they do and can bring something different to the table. So I always position this as there's something in it for me and there's something in it for you to have me along for the ride in the meeting. You mentioned just a second ago, different steps in the sales process. Let's talk just for a second about a simple sales process. What's a, a, a simple sales process that somebody might be able to think about tomorrow and maybe implement over the short period of time? Yeah. So you've got a prospect, whether that's networking or doing research, you got to go out and meet somebody. You meet somebody, you have an initial conversation with them. It leads to a next step. Hey, I want to hear more about it. So you're going to have a, a second conversation that's a customer needs analysis. You're going to hear uh, and hopefully dig to understand where their challenges are that they're facing. And you're going to take a step away. You're going to develop a, a proposal, which is your solutions to their challenges. You're going to present that. You're going to uh, come back and you're going to overcome objections because the prospects are going to have questions and, and challenge you in certain places. So you got to overcome those challenges. you got to ask for the business. So you go in for the close. And then you've got post-campaign follow-up. Oftentimes the sales process gets stuck in that first and second stage, whether it's the prospect in the intro or in doing the customer needs analysis. And that's where that resilience and that burning, burning curiosity come in. You as a sales rep have to understand that historically it's been eight or nine touches uh, before you get a significant response. With COVID, that's increased by the way. It's right. now 14 to 15 touches. And you got to recognize that and build that into your plan. So when we talk about hitting budget, it's not just going through that sales process start to finish one time. You need to have three times working what you need to hit your budget. Interesting thing that recently happened to me. I had a young associate who asked me to help them with a prospect. And she, she said to me, hey, listen, I don't think there's much opportunity here this is a referral from somebody that already does what we do. And I think it's, we're just going through the motions. And I asked her, I said, why is you approaching it that way? If you're approaching it that way, then you are just going through the motions. Yep. And if you can sit down with these people and demonstrate how you can help them, right? Then that is a key to unlocking a deeper conversation. Sure understanding exactly what it is that they're looking for and just trying to be helpful and sometimes just challenging them to but their own thoughts. That only works when as a sales rep, it's not about me. 
it's about you. That's right. So you oftentimes where I see people that struggle through that first part of the process, it's because they're thinking about it in terms of what am I going to sell them instead of, Hey, I want to learn about your business, how many customers you have coming through, where your pain points are, who your competitors are. You've got to get through that CNA, that customer needs analysis. You've got to ask the right questions. And I think it's it very interesting. I think you hit a, a great point. It's not about the seller. It's about the buyer. Yeah. Right? What does the buyer need? It's not about, you know what, if I make this sale, then at the end of the month or at the end of this quarter, I'm going to get a big check. Exactly. And so if you get focused on those things, then you lose a lot of opportunity because you forget to go deep enough that people really tell you what is important. And then you can help them with the need that they have. We, we talk about overcoming objections in terms of trying to understand what the need behind the need is, because often that objection is presented as a smokescreen and you've got to continue to dig deeper to really understand what that objection is and how to overcome it. Because you know, the customer's bombarded or the prospect is bombarded by so many different salespeople. I'm in advertising, so it's not just billboard sales reps of which there are 50 in the market. But you've got 20 plus radio stations, you've got all of the TV stations, you've got online. There are hundreds of advertising sales reps in the market that are calling on these prospects. And, and you've got to be respectful of that. And how do you break through the clutter and separate yourself? And the best way to separate yourself is to present it as under, I want to understand your business. And so the conversation that we're having right now is sales technique. Yep. And at as a sales manager, your job, right, is to help coach them on sales technique. And I think sales has changed so much over the years. It's not hitting people over the head with a blunt instrument anymore. In this era of trust, your salespeople have to be deft at their ability to generate trust with their clients or with their customers in order to really affect meaningful sales. Yeah, I think trust is a big part of it. I think to your point, the world has changed around us. We really have to make sure that we're understanding their business. But also we've got to recognize that with the internet, there's so much information that's available. So we're not talking to uneducated buyers anymore. Right. We're talking to people that have it at their fingertips and they think now that they're an expert in my business by spending 10 minutes looking up and Googling some of the pieces that we have available. So you got to recognize that there's a more informed buyer out there and, and they need to be treated differently. Let's pull back a little bit, yep. go to the management piece a little bit more. And if you were sitting with an academy student and they told you that they had a underperforming team hmm. and they asked you, say, Hey, I want you to come in. I want you to talk to my team. What would be the first things you'd be looking at? I would want to listen. I would want to have a, a conversation with that business owner and well, where do you think you're missing it? There, there needs to be a customer needs analysis on where the gaps are and, and how you operate your business. And then the, there's three sides to every story, yours, mine, and somewhere in the middle is the truth. So I need to have a conversation with the, the sales reps and understand their, from their perspective, what does the culture look like? What are the expectations and how do you go about your business on a daily basis? And then we can take a step back and evaluate it from both sides and make some recommendations for where we can improve. I spoke with a client, I guess it's about two years ago, that 
told me that they were just really having a difficult time getting their sales team to be productive. And one of the questions I asked them as I was trying to understand how they ran their business was, how do you pay your salespeople? <laughs> and he said, we pay them a salary. I said, okay. Is that the best way to motivate performance for a sales team? No, really, most people are motivated by money. So when you're designing a compensation plan, you want to make sure that program guides a sales rep to the portions of the business that you think are most important. Okay. Are there multiple components of that? How would you design that? It really depends on what the business goals are. So you want to reward a sales rep for the behaviors that are most important. So if new business is important to you, then you need to make sure that new business is compensated at a higher rate than maybe other business. You might have products or services that are, have a higher value than others that you really want to promote to a client. So making sure that the compensation plan rewards those behaviors can be really important to driving those pieces of the business. There's a tool that all kinds of sales organizations use, and it's the sales trip. What is your opinion about those types of incentive programs? I think you have to have a compensation program, mm -hmm. and I think you can have tactical money to pull various levers. But the base plan needs to reward a seller for achieving their budget, first of all. If you're on your numbers, you should be rewarded. Ultimately, that's why we're all in this. Right. The second piece is, where do you need help? So from a product standpoint, are there products that are more valuable than others? You might want to over-incentivize one product over another, and salespeople are going to gravitate to where the money is, okay? With that all said, then you've got to look at your sales trip. I think that's a tactic outside the compensation program that you can employ for special circumstances. Right. And so I would pull that lever if I'm coming down into the fourth quarter and the fourth quarter budget or my year is in sight, but I'm not quite sure if we've got the, the pipeline to get it, I might goose the program yeah. and add a trip like that in to add that additional incentive on top of the comp program to incentivize the team. It's like access to a special bonus pool. Mm -hmm. It's a sales trip. I think what we're talking about here are tactical tools that you can employ for a very specific reason. In addition, I think you also need to look at, is this an individual reward or is this a team reward? And so you can build these additional tactics in to, to pull whatever lever it is that you need. So if it's a team goal, set that out there for the team to reach for and achieve. But I have, I've employed that tactic on a small scale for an individual seller that I really want to see exceed and stretch for a goal. I may throw something simple dinner for you and your wife or yep. you and your significant other to, to go out. I think the interesting thing about what our conversation is right now is that there are a myriad of ways that you can be creative to incentivize salespeople to do what you want them to do. Sure. And right. it's, it starts with a conversation with the sellers. As a business owner, have, have you sat down with your sellers to understand what their motivations are? Have you sat down with them to ask what levers should be pulled and how they can be motivated? I think that's a really important piece to it and one that's often overlooked. I think, again, it gets back to what we talked about earlier, which is actual engagement. Yeah. You know, it's that sales leader or that business owner that 
needs to not just take sales for granted, but to be active, be proactive, be growing and nurturing and focusing on this as part of the company's overall strategic plan that needs to be monitored and accountabilities need to be in place, responsibilities need to be put in place, uh, authority to be able to execute plans correlated with those accountability and responsibility Damn. areas. And I think it just gets overlooked sometimes. It does. Absolutely. As a business owner, I think you need to be in lockstep with operations, finance, sales isn't any different. You need to be actively engaged with each of your sellers and with your sales leader to have a finger on the pulse of what's working and what's not working. It's one of those areas that's not just going to fix itself. There's lots of excuses. It's easy to say to yourself, we had COVID, so we didn't have a good year. As I'm looking at businesses and thinking about them from a buyer's perspective, and I look at the business owner and I say to them, tell me about your growth plans. Tell me about what your projections are and how you're going to hit those projections. Tell me about your sales team management. What is the institutionalization of your management team with regard to sales? Because I want that person, whoever that is, I want to know that they're going to carry this business forward and remove some of the uncertainty around top line numbers for me. I can manage the middle but I need to know that we've got the people out selling the widget. It's easy to manage the bottom line when sales are rolling in. It makes it a lot easier. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. So I'm going to put you on the spot. Uh oh. And you, a little earlier, you talked about stories and stories are fun. We all yep. love stories. So tell me a story about sales leadership and where you had a big win with one of your teams where you maybe identified a individual or a team that was underperforming and that you went in and you executed this incredible management skill that you have <laughs> and that you've learned over all these years and you just turned them around. I wish it was that simple and that there was just one story. I think I've learned a lot and I think the signature win for the sales leadership team is really this development of the path to success. We had a management team in place before I arrived that built the team with people that were hired to be competitive inside the building and outside the building. And that's not always healthy. It's a really old school mentality to nudge one person against another to, oh, XYZ sales rep is, has overtaken you and right. it's an old school methods. We came in and inherited a team of sellers that was ultra competitive with each other. It's hard enough out on the streets. We don't need to be competitive inside. And we really sat back and I was challenged with how do we change that culture? And what we ended up coming up with was what we've talked about today. It's that path to success and how do we engage the team in defining what their own success looks like and getting that buy-in and turning it around. Yeah. It's a long, it's a long game. And I think that's part of being a good sales leader is recognizing what the impact, well, what is the long-term vision and then what are the short-term tactics to employ to affect more immediate change? So 
you, you have to do both. And that's the challenge of being a sales leader. So Jonathan, listen, I appreciate you taking your time with me today. And for everybody out there, Jonathan is a true expert in the field of sales. And if you'd like to contact Jonathan, I will have his information in the show notes. If you'd like to have more information on preparing for your Elite Exit, please visit EliteExit.com and check out the coaching offerings that we have. Well, that just about wraps it up for this edition of the Business Owner Transition Podcast. We look forward to seeing you next time.